This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What's up, guys? I'm going to do this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter, here joined by Ali Khan Bijani, at Rockets underscore Insider on Twitter. What's up, man? How you How doing? How you doing, man? This is the first time we're recording inside the Bowers Toyota Center this season. Uh, I'm pretty excited to get this thing going. Rockets record a quality win tonight over the Golden State Warriors, a depleted Golden State Warriors. Just like I'm, the quality I'm, of this podcast, by the way. A miserable... <laughs> a miserable Golden State Warriors that did not have Draymond Green, did not have Stephen Curry, did not have Klay Thompson, but they did have Eric Pascal. I, I think I think you mischaracterized the Warriors here. You said Golden State Warriors. I think this was a Santa Cruz Warriors Rockets play tonight. Yeah, this is a bad basketball team, and we've seen a lot of bad basketball teams, but this is like... This is like how they beat the Blazers, man. I didn't watch that game. I usually watch League Pass. I did not watch that game. Do you I'm remember, shocked. Do you remember the Charlotte Bobcats? Not the Hornets. The Bobcats. Gerald. Gerald. Uh, what's his name? Gerald Wallace. Wallace days. The, the, that, that's how bad this team is. Oh come on! I wouldn't say that. This, this team is terrible. Like, like they, they, they have players win that do not be- wins if they if, if the roster doesn't come back healthy. I think. They no, got, they the, got some the, this team is not going to crack 30, 34 wins. This is this. The, I'd be surprised if they crack thirty. This this team is terrible. It, it's absolutely terrible. And, and I'm not. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. They're they're missing Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green. Like that, they should be terrible. Yo, man, they're going to play the Rockets on Christmas. I'm going to hold you to this if they lose. That's see, like th- this is why you have to wait at least a little bit longer before you schedule that schedule that game. The Christmas games, you think? You think they should flex like Sunday Night Football, where it's like a couple weeks in advance they make a decision. So maybe you have maybe what you do is for the Christmas games you have you have a like a backup games. game. Yeah. You have like a backup well, 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 game. What That's I would non- say is you have games on Christmas Eve and Christmas, right? And you or the twenty third on the twenty third and twenty fifth, and those days are blocked off and. A few weeks before Christmas comes, you make a decision on based off what will be your marquee matchups on Christmas. That's a little inconvenient for these arenas, though, aren't they? Isn't it? Because like these guys have to plan for these teams to come. I, I get it. I get it. But I mean, how many people are having concerts or different sporting events? It's not just the that. It's the 25th. travel schedule. It's the nah, good point. It's You're the right. te- yeah. like everybody has to get everything. I, I feel like they should have like one game on Christmas Day that, that that's like planning for injury. That's non televised. It's a league pass game. It's a league pass game, and if if something like this ends up happening, they can flex that team that game onto interesting. TV. Interesting. Okay. That, that that way, if you're a league pass guy, you get one extra game on Christmas Day. It's like a little reward for being a league pass subscriber. So you get all this the national slate games, and you get one extra one extra game if you're you know a league pass. I never thought about that. That's very interesting. I never thought about that theory before. Yeah, I mean, like it's because first of all, the amount of 
trash Christmas Day games we've had the past few years have been bad. We're getting off topic. We're getting off. The Rockets won a basketball game tonight. Uh, they wow, won, it's they, rare. By multiple points, not just not just one, not one fifty nine, one fifty eight. They they won a quality basketball game tonight. A game that they were supposed to win. They came in here and they won that game. They looked like they got some stuff together defensively, particularly in the second and third quarter. Started to flame out a little bit in the fourth quarter, but there's, you know, it's a work in progress. I I acknowledge that they're not all the way there yet. But this was a major step. This is like the the fact that they had two quality wins back to back. The the win in Memphis and this game, I think it's a, it's an encouraging sign of your Rockets fans, especially off that Miami game. Good God, that Miami game is the. I, I mean, I talked about it on that on my last podcast, of course. That was their most embarrassing loss. You know, in, honestly, I'll be in honest franchise you, history. There's one game I haven't watched this season. Actually, there's two. But I watched those, that game after because I went to Game Seven. But one game I did not watch at all because I was just really busy was that Miami game. That Miami game was that. Was and bad. I'm not planning to go watch that again. It's a waste of my time. It looks like from the way they play. Well, you should go back and watch that first quarter because that first quarter in particular, they got, they out, got outscored 46 to 16 or something. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. It was. It, it was. I might be misconstruing. It might be 46 to 14, mm-hmm. but it was somewhere around that range. They got killed. Absolutely killed on back cuts. On cl- like they getting, they were closing guys out. That like and you, James you know, Harden it's, it's, it's looked one thing, ridiculous. It's one thing on back cuts, you know, to be beaten a couple times. But when your star guys, the guys who beat their memes of be, of playing horrendous defense, are the ones who are repeating that same thing now. That's not a good sign. Harden has picked it up ever since the second half of that Memphis game, because th- that first half of the Memphis game was bad. Like the, like like he carry continued his Miami habits. Well, if if you look that game. if you're looking at the Memphis game and you're looking at tonight's game, I think where you saw Harden especially pick up his intensity was when teams started sw- like attacking him in the post. You saw Pascal the first time he you're talking attacked. about when uh, Eric Pascal got a motion to the bench and called James Harden food. You're talking well, about that. You know what's funny? He said that, but there was a post up before that one that he got stripped by Harden. And so what I'm trying to say is, I get it. You're a rookie, trying to get amped up, trying to have your team up, completely fine national TV game. But he stripped you that possession before. Yeah, and Harden had three blocks and three steals tonight. Like he, he, he did a pretty good job. I, I, and you know, like, and it's it's a good point. People will say, "Well, Solomon Ali, like steals don't mean anything." You know, you could suck at deep. But the way James plays, when you have blocks and steals. That that's a sign of an of an active defensive game. I completely agree with people who say like steals aren't everything. Yeah, there there are players in the league that average two steals per game that gamble like crazy. But when you're doing both, like if you're getting like Robert Covington level numbers on a random night, like that that's that I think I I put more weight into that. And um, I I thought Harden did really well tonight. Over for the season again, he's been shaky, and I've documented it on Twitter. I've documented it in some of my work. Like 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 that that he's been shaky, but. I thought tonight was a big step up for the team because, like, again, when you have a loss like that in Miami, I can't stress how embarrassing that was for the Rockets. Like, you have to come out and punch your next opponent in the mouth. And they they didn't exactly do that to to Memphis, to Memphis, but they did that here against Golden State. And their shooting struggles are coming back, which is a big, which has been a big storyline for the Rockets. The shooting disparity between them and opposing teams that's starting to level out. They're starting to shoot the ball better. Opposing teams are starting to shoot the ball worse. Um, and a big thing that I've noticed is that they're allowing less three-pointers, which is a big indicator of three-point defense. Uh, they're, that That's starting to correct itself. Um, 
some positive signs if you're the Rockets. I I, I think this is a, a quality win. I know it's a bad. I know it's a bad. Team. We we spent the first three minutes talking about how bad this Warriors team is, but this was a good team. Like you 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 were expected to beat a team, and you beat a team. Baby steps, right? Like you started off this the season so shaky. I don't want to say you start off bad. You start out really shaky. Last season they were they were bad, but this season they start off like three and three. They they, they were they they were rocky at points and two collective wins back to back that were I thought decent and and quality. You know that, that I I think that's a good sign for the Rockets. You know, so one thing I want to discuss and this goes into today's win. You know, covering the Rockets the last few years, they've had a I mean they've had a veteran group, right? But they they've had younger guys in the rotation here and there. I mean, there's been a veteran group, but you know, that's existed. I think this is the first season for me where I've genuinely noticed them play the vet card a lot. And what I'm saying is you're talking about the post game stuff. Like where they talk about it like how old they are. Oh, you know, this is a vet group. This is a vet group. I mean, I get it. I get it. And, and Clint, we asked Clint's, Clint this. Clint's, and Clint's comments like, in particular were. He said, oh, we're the second oldest team in the league. PJ said the same thing. Oh, it's a vet group. You know, James said the same thing. Like, you know, Coach said the same thing about being out of shape. Oh, it's a vet group. I'm trying to, like, you know, build these guys up so their legs are more fresh and later in the season. I get it. I get it. That completely. But, it's the, you know, it's very interesting how this is the first time they're saying that. And these guys are another year older. Eric's 31. James is about to hit, you know, he's 30. Yeah. Russ is 31. Clint, I mean, he's still young, but Clint's your young guy, but he's still, you know, getting up there. Your young guy is 26. Yeah. yeah. PJ, PJ Tucker's 34. I mean, yeah. like, I get it. They're they're a veteran team, but they were a veteran team last few years as well, you know? And it's, it's just very interesting to finally hear them say, hey, this is our excuse. We're a vet group. We're taking it easy to go on. And I don't know. Just because you're a vet group, does that mean that you show up out of shape and expect gameplay to help you get into shape? I mean, well, I, I don't know, man. To their credit, the Japan stuff is real. Like, like we've seen a lot of NBA teams come back from their Asia trips, like whether it's whether it's Japan, India, China. Like when they come back from those trips, that layover, that that lag in your body, like that that's that's real. I think I I can sympathize with that. So I'm I'm gonna give them like another week to shake that off. But I, after. After maybe a, one or two more games, you you figure that rust should be off by now. You know, I'll tell you. I mean, Twitter has been crazy. Oh my god, I, mean, I can only imagine what Instagram and Facebook are like. But Twitter has been incredible. Rockets Twitter has been very active and very vocal about their how disple- displeased they are with what's been going on. And I see that point. I see what they're doing. What I see what the fans are saying. I personally, and I, I haven't really tweeted about this much, but I have not been worried. And let me tell you why. The concept of being a veteran group that's there. But this team has shown that when they need to play defense, when they need to get a stop, when they need to make shots, they can do it. If they put in the effort, they put in the, they put in the time. I mean, not time. When they put in the effort on the court, they can do it. It's early in the season. You have guys like Eric and PJ and guys like that who show up when they need to in the playoffs, when they're doing all these different things. I just personally think, and I get it, when you go on a road trip like that, it's the first road trip of the season, you're going to struggle. I saw the Miami loss coming a couple weeks away, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, they're going to New York? They're going to Miami after that? I mean, come on, man. That's, that's what it is. But at the same time, I get the frustrations. Okay, let's go through it really quickly. Defensively, the effort's not there. And and I know Rockets fans are concerned. Oh, they need to change things up. Clint, he can't start. Scheme all this stuff. Scheme is fine. 
coaching is fine. They know what to do. It's a matter of are they going to execute it. The players know. They have to hold themselves accountable. Second thing is offensively, the shooting. I mean, I think Coach has said this best to us when he's like, if you play good defense, your shots will come. Your shots will fall. It's because that's where the energy comes from. You're getting stops. You're getting out in transition. You're getting into the spots you want to. You're freezing, you're freezing the opposing defense. And, and I, think, I think as they get going, I think as they get going, we're going to see that a lot more, that it's okay. It's okay to take a deep breath. Yes, they did not start off well, but they're four and three, now five and three after tonight. They're getting going. It's only eight games into the season. Let's not do anything. Because remember, Coach said this to us today too. He said, well, last year we started off, I asked him, what's a good measuring stick for you? Is it 20 games? Is it 25 games? He said, well, last year after 25 games, we were 11 and 14. So I don't really know. They can't start like that. Well, I, what I'm saying is I don't – and, and to, to James Harden's credit, if it wasn't for his incredible heroics last season carrying this team, they would not have gone that 42-17 run to end the season. Completely understandable. But what I'm trying to say is I think he has a point in saying that we can start the way we did last year. We started a little bit better off this year. We have to look at that and say we can't do that again. But at the same time, you know, I, I think they're not as, in as bad of a spot as they were last year. Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at their offense, they didn't have an identity in the the first ten games of last season. Like they they they, they were bad on offense, they were bad on defense. And you can you can argue they they they're struggling to figure that identity now. I I think I think, I the think way they have one though. Like, I mean, I think like with the fast there, pa- with the they're fast pace, there. like they put their stamp on the season. Like at the beginning, like we're gonna play like this. We're gonna play up tempo basketball. We're gonna we're gonna obviously we're gonna run a ton of pick and roll. We're gonna run a ton of isolation. We're gonna still do that. We're gonna have a lot of a lot of role players fill in gaps, and we're still gonna play the same style. We're just gonna play it faster. And I think that that's you know it's obviously resulted in their offensive rating to like top five in the NBA right now. I'm sure after this win, they were top six before the game. And last season, I, I had a I had a hard time figuring out what what is this team good at. I know what they're good at. I and they have a weakness that they obviously need to improve on their defense. And until they improve that defense, it's going to be hard for us to seriously consider them title contenders. You know, some positives I do want to say is I know Rockets fans are probably trying to grasp onto any positives out there. There's two guys I want to point out. The coach pointed them out today. Uh, ben McLemore and Daniel House. Those guys. Have, We're gonna have a conversation about Daniel House in, in a minute, but go ahead, talk about Ben. Talk about Ben. ben. So, ben, ben is a very interesting story. Um, he worked all summer to get an opportunity. He did worked all summer to help improve his shot. If you look at the way he's played the last few seasons, you look at this season. His mechanics are much better. He has a quicker shot. If you look at the way he dips the ball, gathers, and everything like that, just pay attention to that next time. It's a much quicker shot, and I think that's where those comparisons between he and Gerald Green come in in terms of the shot release. I mean, Gerald is still above and beyond, really quick release. But Ben is getting there. He has that trust in his shot. He has that confidence that, you know what? I'm right next to the out-of-bounds line in the corner, but I'm still going to shoot that shot and hopefully make it. I think that's what the Rockets need, and he's been able to do that. Defensively, he has experience playing in Elson Turner's system. In Memphis, in Sacramento, he's not the best defender. Let's be real. He's not. But at the same time, I think when you have somebody who's committed, who's trying to stay within his lane defensively, that's going to get you minutes. And that's what Coach D'Antoni has liked about him. The way the Rockets play defense is it's a very similar scheme to those at home listening. It's a very similar scheme to last season. 
The, only, the biggest thing is that they are switching to advantage, mainly with James Harden and guys at the perimeter. But at the same time, they're trying to switch where they're coming together. It's all about communication and switching as a team. Just because two players are involved at a switch at the top doesn't necessarily mean the three players on the all in the others, wherever they are on the court, are not involved. They are as involved as those two at the top. You're combining the switch. And so I think the way Ben has played, if he continues to make these shots and as he gets going more, I think you're going to see him get a lot, get a lot more minutes. And I think these next two games, if Eric, if Eric Gordon cannot go on Saturday, are going to be a great way for him to continue to earn himself minutes in the rotation. Because he played 30 minutes against Memphis. I don't know how much he played tonight. I don't have that in front of me. But, 20, yeah, he, he he's playing. He's getting minutes. And he's showing that, you know what, coach? Pull me in. And even if my shot's not falling, I'm doing things I need to. I need to sprint and transition. I need to fill the slot. I need to fill the corner. I need to cut when Russ is in isolation. He's doing those small things to get playing time. Yeah, you know what's funny? Daryl always takes a chance on, on these kind of guys, these top 10 picks that don't exactly pan out with other teams. He does that every year, and a lot of franchises do this. Daryl's not unique in this. Like he, the, this, this is a training camp tradition. You bring in guys that have kind of potential. You want to see how they work in your system. And this is the first guy that's really worked for them since Daniel House last season, actually. He has a very clear NBA skill set. He's athletic as hell, and he can make, sure, he can make three-point jumpers. And that's all you need to play in this system. That's it. Like you, he's not—he's not exactly the best ball handler. He can ball handle in spurts. He, he's Gerald Green 2.0. Like that's exactly what he is. He's—he's—he's he's, he's gonna play the exact same minutes that Gerald played last season. He's gonna play that same—that same kind of role. Mike trusts him in that same kind of way. And, and, and I think we talk about Mike's trusting him. James Harden trusts him a lot. Yeah. You always see those two talking. Their lockers are pretty much next to each other in the locker room, and. You know, I think that trust being there is really important for Ben in terms of him getting playing time and getting shots that he that he'll get. And the Rockets really lucked out here because, like, with the Gerald Green injury, like, who could have saw that coming, right? And the fact that Ben kind of slid in seamlessly into their rotation was a real dodged bullet because if if they'd not they they didn't have Gerald, they'd be screwed. They they'd be absolutely screwed because they have they're lacking on wing depth as it is. And and shooting as it is as well off the bench. Yeah, and Gerald was it was going to play a key role for them this season. And thank thankfully for the Rockets' sake, like they found their guy early on. They found it before the season even began. So like this this is this is kind of the benefit of trying to take risks on these guys. You don't know what's going to happen. Even if you don't have a spot in your rotation, you don't know what's going to happen mid season. You don't know uh, what kind of injuries you might you might get. So this is kind of the this is the motivation to make these kind of signings, these kind of fringe rotation guys that may not have worked on other teams. Maybe give them a partially guaranteed deal. They'll work out on your team. They fill a very key role for you. Uh, he looks like an NBA player. Again, we're eight games in. I don't want to stamp like yes, he's re- he's his career is resurrected, but the early signs are very encouraging. I mean, it's it's only taken him eight games to. Be for go from a newcomer to actually being somebody coached Antony Trust, yeah, and coached Antony Trust in his small ball lineup, which right. is something that Antony loves. If he puts you in a small ball small ball lineup, then you have his trust. Yeah. All right, Alicon, let's take a quick break and pay some bills, and then we'll talk about everybody's favorite rocket, Daniel House. All right, the holidays are almost here, and you know what that means: gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucket shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size, so he looks casual and sharp. 
With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Now, I'm not the skinniest guy in the world, but I'm definitely not the biggest. And the problem is when I go to some of these department stores, I feel like I'm picking between those two extremes. Like, even medium doesn't seem to fit quite right. But with Untuck It, you'll find when you're shopping on their website, they're going to have a bunch of different sizes for you. And when I ordered my shirt, it fit perfectly, like like better than a lot of my department store clothes. And like I have a weird body type, as I described before, and it managed to fit my, my frame, my shoulders, my height perfectly well. So it doesn't matter what kind of body type you have, they'll have a shirt that fits you. And that's another great thing about Untuck It. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything that's happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is also impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newspaper in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox when you sign up for free at sports.axios.com. You'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even happens. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you sign up at sports.axios.com again try it for free 99 at sports.axios.com um let's talk about daniel house now because oh I, man so mvp I, of the rockets so far this i season. have a column coming out on him in a couple of days and I've, I've been asking people around the rockets about him i talked to daniel himself okay and he is like he is the player on the rockets that nobody's talking about around the nba because nobody really knows who he is but is probably one of their most important like one of their three most important players this season something something for our listeners you know i, I talked to a scout a few weeks ago and just asked about different Rockets guys on the team. And one guy I asked about was Daniel House. It's like, you know, what happened? You know, he got, you know, he shot out of cannon with the Rockets, came in that Wizards game, earned himself some playing it's time. It's funny, I there. asked a scout a similar question to what you're asking. Like, how, why is it, why the Rockets? Why did it not work in Golden State? Why not yeah. Washington? Why not Phoenix? Why this particular spot? Mm-hmm. Like, why did it take so long? Why weren't his skills like jumping out of the building? Because when you watch him, they're so apparent, so athletic. Yeah, and, and and it's so easy to see that he'd be a positive on the basketball court. And I'm just kind of like, okay, do are all these other teams not watching basketball? Do they not see what I'm seeing? Like, and, and the scout that I talked to uh, just told me, man, man situation is everything. Situation is everything. When you get your role dumbed down for you to what the Rockets want you to do, it can change you like that. And um, I'll, I'll say what my scouts and I'll say what somebody I talked to with the Rockets said. So the scouts said, you know, play, sometimes players come in the league and they think it'll be easy. Yeah. Um, and pe- and teams talk. If one situation does not work out, teams talk and they figure out, hey, you know, he does not have the necessary the best reputation with this team. Do I really want to take a chance? Will he really work out? Will he really put in the time? So unfortunately, that played a role. But when he came to the Rockets, and 
he's really tight with you know guys in his team and the coaching staff. He was able to put in the work. He's put in the work a lot this past offseason, and he's been successful. And it's funny that the point you made, Salman, when the Rockets were first looking you know, to bring him in, at that point in time, the Rockets were looking for any wing depth whatsoever. They wanted a guy. They wanted to bring in guys like a Gary Clark kind of player where it's somebody who can be good defensively, can knock down three-point shots, and it's not, and that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is somebody who can do all that but embrace the role. You have to have the mindset and the maturity to embrace that role because you're playing on a team with James Harden and at that point Chris Paul, and now you're playing with Russell Westbrook. You have to be able to forfeit the ball and be able to have your shot created for you. And he did that. He earned himself time for that. And now you've seen that transition this season where – and, you know – he's become a good weak side defender. He really has. I mean, he had a couple fouls today, and I asked him about it afterwards. Like, yeah, no, I, I got to clean that up. You know, I should have just gone straight up. You know, he recognizes that. And he's going to be a very big factor for this team moving forward. And coach is already putting him in as, a, as the forward in the, in the small ball lineup. I mean, that's something that you saw with Trevor Reza and PJ Tucker when they played together. He is and now a you're part seeing of that all their key House. units. All, yeah. all of their, all of their Star- favorite that starting lineup yeah. with him and PJ and Clint, and then that small ball lineup, I mean, he's been great. Yeah, and I want to stress this. It doesn't really matter to me or or the Rockets. I don't think they care whether he starts or not. He's going to be a part of the core six. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll fit him. In. I think it's better for him to start, and I'll tell you why. And I think Coach said that today too. He's going to do what's best for the team, and I think he hinted at a Daniel House will be starting. Well, I mean, you you would like the rebounding presence of Daniel House, right? Like, and you'd want the athleticism. You want the length of Daniel House. At the same time, it doesn't really matter to me because Eric Gordon's going to play the same amount of minutes he does, and Daniel House is going to play the same amount of minutes he does. It doesn't really matter to me because because they're going to close the, with the same lineups they want to anyways. So I mean, I get, I get to get something. To to try a new lineup to try and kickstart Eric Gordon's season, who we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. I don't really care about that. But going back to Daniel House, uh, so I find him so fascinating, and I'm sure a lot of people do. I'm not I'm not the only one because he is by far their best ball handling small forward since Chandler Parsons. It's not even close. Like right. like we're He's talking still getting about, better. We're talking about how good he is defensively. His stuff on the ball. Like he he has the euro step and transition down. He has a pump fake and sidestep down. He has a pump fake and drive down. He's super athletic in transition with the basketball. He he has the he has a step back down. He's doing all this creative with the basketball in his hands, and that's something that we didn't expect him to do you know, this be, season. I, and I, I, Mike I, I, trust him to do. He doesn't yank him. He keeps him in the game because yeah. he's like, yeah, you know what? I I like you handling the ball for us. You know, I I thought when he first when the season first started and kind of seeing him a little bit in the summer. What he was going to do was he was going to attack the closeout and find the shooter. I think that was his next step. But has he? Not, he's not only just done that. He's done all those things you've talked about. And I think what's really interesting is there's a couple of rocket sets that they run. Um, it's one of them is called like delay, where they run like a free screen action at the perimeter, and one of them is like a little curl action where you know a, a wing gets the ball and attacks off the curl. Daniel House is a part of both those sets and that's two sets that Rockets will run a lot. If you watch the way they run, you know, uh, if you if you know the some of the Rockets film terminology that I use, 21 series or uh in delay, Daniel House is a screener for James Harden. Daniel House is slipping screens. Daniel House is catching and making be able to be facilitated. Daniel House is catching lead passes from James Harden in transition and running a quick 
action pick and roll and getting to the paint and finding a shooter. I mean, those things are stuff I did not expect, to be honest with you. Was a pleasant surprise for the Rockets to have somebody who is capable of doing that. I think he needs to continue to take next steps. Maybe not this season, but as he continues to grow in his career, as somebody who can handle the basketball from end to end, he's still growing his handles. But in being able to handle the basketball is one thing, but handling the basketball and getting to a spot where you can facilitate and pass is another. And I think that's where his next evolution will come. But and you see it in progress, you, you'll see it. You'll see him do it. But I think the consistency is the next step, right? Can he continue to be consistent? It's been eight games, but are we going to see this continue for the rest of the season? Like you'll see him, you'll see him kick out to a shooter in spurts, right? You'll see him drive, find a guy, find Clint Capella, oftentimes for for the easy dunk, but. You're right, the consistency is key. And the defense is something I wasn't particularly high on him last season. Like, I thought a lot of people got ahead of themselves last season with, with Daniel House's defense. I thought he had a lot a lot of work to do, especially off the ball. He had a lot of work to do. And coming into this season, he's just so reliable for them. Like He's like their utilitarian guy on the team. Like He's, he's their second P.J. Tucker in terms of how freaking reliable he is for them. And like the the fact that he's hitting like I don't know forty percent of his three forty percent like yeah. the, like that's stupid that's completely stupid it was really his crazy look, so look at his career numbers what is it no I mean like I'm just I'm not, oh, okay, I'm not yeah, okay. I don't have it on my screen up here but I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I'm saying <laughs> if you look at his career numbers he is nowhere near the clip he's shooting at now that is work that is pure in the gym I'm gonna get up a hundred jumpers before I go to sleep tonight work. That, that and he deserves a ton of credit, and it, it, it's no secret a lot of Rockets fans are excited about him. But to me, what's most important is like the Rockets trust him completely, and they're going to use him a lot. And like again, he's he's going to be their guy. If the Rockets play the Clippers. He's going to be their guy guarding Paul George. Like PJ's going to guard Kawhi. Obviously, he's going to be the guy guarding Paul George. And I think like you know, obviously, yeah, I want to we'll see, see next week. Hopefully, too. yeah, I want to see more of it. Right, I want to see a lot more of it. But I just think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that they're putting him in that position, and they trust him so much. Like this is like this is the youngest guy that Mike D'Antoni's taken a chance on since Clint Capella. Clint Capella was the last guy he's taken a chance on, and and he's taken a chance on Daniel House, and it's worked out brilliantly. Like like, like a lot of people talk about, you know, Gary Clark. He doesn't get a chance. He doesn't he doesn't get his opportunity. G- Gary Clark got his opportunity last year. He showed up in spurts, and then and then faded out. Daniel House has been so consistently there that Mike has had no choice but to play him a ton of minutes. That that's the difference between Gary Clark and Daniel House. Daniel House stuck. His consistent play stuck. His ball handling stuck out. His shooting was kept on was always there. His defense always there and his positive everything about him I find really interesting and I I I think there's a reason guys like this work out and guys like Gary Clark don't. And I, I think you know the reasons I'm alluding to, but yeah. I I will say this for our our Gary Clark fans listening. I think I think what someone is saying, I get what he's saying, but I also don't think this is the last we've seen of Gary Clark. I think this is the last we see of Gary Clark. I don't know. I think I think it was a good opportunity Gary Clark um can earn himself back with a big team up here after a short stint with the Vipers. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot. It is going to take a lot. Let's talk about Eric Gordon before we close things. By the way, out. this that that's just more so my personal opinion. All right, guys, if you're an aggregator and you're listening to this podcast, do not put out there that 
athletic reporter says Gary Clark is going to get minutes with the Rockets. No, no, no. Let's not let's not be crazy here. I'm just saying I would not, you know, cancel out Gary Clark. We're getting off topic. Let's talk, right, let's, Eric Gordon, let's Eric talk Gordon. about Eric Gordon. So Eric Gordon, obviously the guy who struggled the most for the Rockets this season, did not play tonight. He had a what was it? Right, sore right hamstring sore, left left, left hamstring. hamstring soreness. Yeah. Uh, he had some sort of injury. Doesn't look like he's in the best sort of shape. At the same time, he kind of killed it in the preseason. Like he he shot really well in the preseason, and he did not start last season particularly well. I just think this is a thing with Clint and Eric. Like going forward, I just think both of these guys take a while to get going. I just think these guys are both slow starters. I I, I don't I don't think I I, I think Clint, I think Eric will find his rhythm midseason like I and I think you know you're starting to see Clint find his rhythm with the rotation you see he had, he had his best game of the season by far 19 points 16 rebounds six you, blocks you, you talk about you talk about Eric I'm, let me let me say this about Clint Clint's a guy that I've been closely following you know since you know, covering the team and especially this past summer just like kind of seeing where he where he's been throughout the offseason and when we, when we talk at the end of the last season he's like I need to be more aggressive I need to be more aggressive and what 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 the national team you know you saw that you know you saw that he was trying to do some different things to start the season to be honest with you that aggression that I thought I would see it wasn't it, it wasn't where I it wasn't where it needed to be. It needed to be, and and, and I, I and the Rockets definitely agree, and I, Rockets definitely probably agree with that. And but I think tonight was the first time where I saw, hey, he's taking the step towards the right direction. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. When you are the focal point of a defense as a rim protector, your body language is the most important thing. And I'll tell you why, because if your body language is somebody who is not retreating. But is stepping up and and active with their hands and step and, and going into an offensive player, they're going to think twice before they come to you because they're expecting you to be aggressive and block their shot. But if you're retreating, which he still did today a little bit, but and he has done, if you are retreating away from the ball and not being forceful, I get the whole contact thing, but it wasn't even about the contact. It was more so he wasn't asserting himself with aggression defensively. Then you're not going to stand out. And I think for me, I get the whole offensive thing and putbacks and being aggressive there. But for me, for this team to be successful, the Rockets need him to be aggressive as a rim protector. And I think the body language part of it took a big step tonight. Especially with the new defense they're playing, they're going to need him to be a good rim protector. Because like Daniel House talked about it today, they've changed their defense. Like, like Mike yeah. continues to talk about how they're the same exact defense as they were last. No, they're not. They're, they are absolutely... No, so, so. Second half of last season, yeah. They're, sim- they're similar to what they were the second half of last season. But in terms of their defense, like they are not the same defense. Like They're playing more of a drop-back scheme. They're playing Clint closer to the rim. He's he's having to be their main rip protector. And as we talked about, like for Clint to succeed in this kind of a system, he has to be get, get better as a rim protector. He's been awesome as a switch defender. We all know he can switch. Everybody know everybody in this building knows that switch that Clint can guard guards. Everybody knows that this season. Yeah, well, in general, like, throughout his whole career, everybody knows he like this. This is his this is his special sauce. Like this is what has made him so unique as a defender. What he's been missing his entire career has been his rim protection and his physicality at the, on that end. That's why they love, they've loved they loved Nene these past seasons because Nene has that. And, you know, you still see it in spurts where, like, you just, like, like, so, for example, tonight, Mike D'Antoni called a challenge. And he got this, he got a successful challenge. Warriors won the tip. They came back down. Clint contested the first shot, did not come back in time for the second shot, put back a layup for the Warriors. 
and Mike D'Antoni was furious. He was out. He was out of his seat, yelling at Clinton and stuff like that. Like that kind of stuff needs to get cleaned up. That's where the consistency of the body language I was talking about. Yeah, you, you need, if you're going to be a aggressive player, it's not just about offense and dunking and getting going. It's about being aggressive and forceful defensively. And he had a moment where he put up two C's. I mean, we can talk about it a different time. That whole two C look thing that he does. Whenever he gets a block shot, you saw that. I, I don't know. I don't like the hair. I, I don't know about this two C's thing. This is a, this is a news to me. Like he put his C's up like this. Okay. He, he was like he was like this. He put two okay. C's across his arms that, a little that's bit. That's really lame. Okay, but 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 <laughs> he's got to change the Dennis Schroeder like hair. Like it, it wasn't good on Schroeder. It's not. It's not good on him. The style, man. What style? Like does does it look good to anybody here? Does is it anybody like hey Clint, nice hair? Like no, nobody says that. Whatever. We're getting off topic. But what I'm saying is Clint Clint needs to figure that out because of the way they're playing defense this year. And uh, going back to Eric, it doesn't disappoint me that he's starting off shooting the ball this poorly. It's disappointing me that he's on point of attack defense. He's just getting blown by. And he's getting beat on some of the same back cuts that James Harden's getting yeah, beat on. He has to be their best perimeter defender. You know why I say he has to be their best? Because ideally, in an ideal situation, yes, you have PJ on the best one-on-one player for the opposing team, but PJ is so good covering everybody else's mistakes on the help side and the weak side that if you can have Eric guard the best perimeter ball handler and have PJ on the weak side covering everything up, that's where they're at their best. I agree. Like you're talking about guys like Donovan Mitchell, right? Like you're talking about when they guard when they were playing. That's, the what, jazz. that's what the Jazz. That's what their defensive scheme against the yeah, Jazz is so yeah. good because you have PJ able to show. show. So when you, when you play defense on the help side, when you can play free safety like that, yeah, free safety, you have to be able to split the difference, which is basically cover two shooters at once and pick your poison there and do all these different things. PJ can do that, and he can do that really well. And and that doesn't mean he's not a good isolation defender. He's great. I mean, he takes that job seriously. But if you can have Eric and PJ both capable of playing one-on-one defense against perimeter ball handlers, that only makes this team so much better, and it makes Clint's job easier as a rim protector. The Rockets' favorite lineup, like this is the lineup they want to play in crunch time. They want to play Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, and PJ Tucker at center. Like that that's their favorite line. That that's Mike's pet lineup. He plays that every small game. Small ball. He, or he, tiny ball. He like loves he loves that lineup. For that lineup can, can, to succeed. Can we, can we stop saying small ball lineup with the Rockets? It's tiny ball. When your center is six five and your tallest player in that lineup is six six, that's not small ball. That's tiny ball. I don't care. I don't care. Okay, so I'm just aggravated. Okay, about that, whatever. Sorry. Um so going back going back to um Eric Gordon, for that lineup to succeed. Eric has to be a stronger point of attack defense. Doesn't matter if he's guarding the primary guy. I, in ideals, in an ideal situation, I agree with you. Like, like, like you don't have Chris Paul anymore. You, Eric has to be that guy. So, in an ideal situation, he has to be the guy guarding the opposing ball handler, and he has to be the guy being the ideal point of attack defense. And and he has not been that this this season. And that's that's my biggest disappointment with him. I think he's gonna figure out the shooting stuff. I think he'll he'll get back in shape mid season, whatever. He'll be fine. I, I'm not worried about all the other stuff. The defense to me is troubling. That like this is the stuff that he was mocked about in New Orleans, and this is the stuff that kind of went away in Houston, and it's kind of starting to sh- rear its ugly head right now. Uh, I don't. I'm not again. I'm not worried at all about the shooting. I'm worried about the defense. I think he has to. He, he, you mentioned earlier he has to be a huge, huge perimeter defender for them this season. Oh, well, I get. I guess that's it. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Alikon on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Both of us have some good work coming.
Um, I got a great piece coming up. I know a lot of the Rockets fans have a, have a question about the offense. I know that the defense, I get it too, but there's some questions about the offense um, that I'll hopefully have an answer for you guys very soon. Yeah, and I have something coming up on Daniel House. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic so you can read that piece, obviously. Uh, don't don't ask your friend to give you his login. Buy the f- subscription. Yo, I, I've had people come ask me, yo, go to Safari and send me the PDF. You think I'm going to send you a PDF of my article? Oh, you can send it to me, though. I'm kidding. You, I'm kidding. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, and yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>